The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk New York here on Long Island's WGBB. I'm Andy Sugoff. I'll be your host for Hour 2 here on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. And today is March 7th, 2021, but you already knew that. Tonight's show, i got Matt Cardona who will be joining us in a minute, Jose Young later. Before we begin, want to let everyone know, follow, follow the show on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at WGBB Sports Talk. You can visit the website at WGBBSportsTalk.com, and you can listen to all past shows there. Check out any any upcoming show information there as well. Lastly, if you don't already, we invite you to subscribe to the podcast WGBB Sports Talk New York on iTunes, Spotify, just about anywhere you can listen to your podcast. And with that, now that we got all that out of the way, going to start our, start our show tonight with Long Island native professional wrestler Matt Cardona. Matt, thank you for taking the time tonight. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. All right. Well, you currently we can you can you can see Matt on Impact Wrestling. You can hear him on the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. And where one of the things he's doing now, and he's in, coinciding with the ten year anniversary of a show he did on his YouTube channel, MC True Long Island Story. We'll get to that in a minute, but you know we'll jump into your career. You've spoken at length about you know, how wrestling had such a huge impact on your life growing up. What was it about wrestling that drew you in as opposed to baseball or football? I think, you know, um, these larger-than-life characters, these comic book-looking characters, um, but it's not a cartoon. It's not a comic book. It's not just an actor figure. You can see these guys on TV. Uh, you can, Yeah, then you can play with the action figures. You had the wrestling buddies you could wrestle with. You can go to the shows and see them live. It was like... During that time, the, the, the late 80s, early 90s, wrestling was so hot, and it was everywhere. You couldn't escape it. I mean, there was ice cream bars with your favorite wrestlers on it. So it was like you could – anything that you could think of, wrestling could be a part of it, and that's why I just got so obsessed with it because I could put wrestling with anything I was doing. I, I'm definitely with you on the ice cream bars. I mean, anytime the Mr. Salty Chuck would post up by next, across the street from the house, I would make sure I got one. Oh, 100%. Who, who were your favorites growing up? Uh, when I was a little kid, I loved Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, uh, the Macho Man, because, you know, they were so colorful and so charismatic, and they could, they could talk you, uh, you know, the, talk you into the arena, so to speak. They could make you, uh, you know, cheer them, boo them, whatever they wanted. Uh, and then as I got older, I appreciated the, the actual wrestling bell to bell a lot more and got behind guys like Shawn Michaels or Bret Hart or Edge and Christian, stuff like that. And like as you were forming your own character, like did you did you kind of take bits and pieces from all your all those people that influenced you as you were watching? Did you kind of take pieces from them to forge your own persona. Yeah, I don't know if I took uh, you know parts of their personality, but I'm definitely influenced by so many different people. Uh, Macho Man, in particular, for his, for his outfits. You know, I felt like Macho Man. You know, he he never never seemed like he was wearing the same thing twice. You know, I always wanted to have like different gear. I thought that was always important to have a lot of stuff in your rotation, uh, you know, because gear is pretty expensive. So you don't want to just wear it once. But you have, if you have so much of it, uh, it keeps it fresh. And uh, I never, I hated, you know, 
if I had to wear the same thing twice, if like, you know, I was on the road and something happened and I forgot something or something got dirty and I had to wear the same gear twice, I hated that. And, and you know, as somebody, you know, you were, you, you got, you got really big in like 2011, 2012 as you, as you got that, as you got Z Trail going and you saw your merchandise really take off. So having that happen and also, you know, where you were able to keep everything, you know, fresh, how much of that do you think went with the merchandise sales really skyrocketing for the people? Yeah, so the the YouTube show, the original YouTube show was so great because I was just trying to, you know, get the get the, the attention from people. You know, I wanted people to realize like my personality because, you know, it's a you know, raw two hour show, three hour show, whatever it was at the time, there's only so many spots. So I had to create my own opportunity and that's what the Z True Long Island story was. It was essentially an advertisement for me and my personality and I was blending like my real life personality with my wrestling character and you know, the fans they, they really bought into it and I thank them so much for that. They made the show a huge success, changed my life, changed my career. And yeah, they, they bought a lot of t shirts, headbands and sunglasses and it definitely helped out. Yeah, I mean I, I was one of those viewers back in twenty eleven. You, you know, you like you you built that huge fan base and it was all very organically. Like, it was it wasn't you know, you were like like pushed on put Post initially and like you built that all on your own and actually true story here uh that halloween i actually i i had the broski shirt and and the headband and everything and and tried to try to win that halloween contest you did still still i didn't win (laughs) i love that that's great yeah that was that was the best part was the the fan interaction i always try to figure out ways to incorporate the fans uh because you know when i started the show there was no like game plan of how how am I going to make this work. It was just like uh, like an evolution. Every week I'd think of something different, and you know the fans, you know they they'd be bringing signs to the shows, um, and I'm like, ooh, what if I just do like sign of the week, and then that would entice people to bring their sign because maybe I'll I'll use it as sign of the week. So I just tried to think of different ways to get the fans involved because at the end of the day, like the fans are the most important part. So uh, you know I needed their support, and thank God I got it. And we're talking with Matt Cardona here on this Sunday night. So all, all of that culminates with you winning the United States title at, I, was it TLC or Extreme Rules? I know it was, it was one of those two. In December, it was TLC. It was TLC in 2011. And when you hear the ref count that, count that three count, what's the first thought going through your head at that moment? Oh, it was an incredible night. Um, you know, watching it back, it's funny because, they knew my dad was there. So they had like the camera on him after the one, two, three to get his reaction. And he's so excited. He's like jumping up and down. And it looks like he's so excited that he's having a heart attack. He's like clenching his chest, but his, his glasses are just hanging on his sweatshirt. So he's trying to keep his glasses there, but he's just, he's just so fired up. Um, and then I, the first thing that my first thought was, Oh, I know my dad's here. You know, obviously I got him tickets, but where is he? Cause I want to go find him, you know? So I was like, where is he? Where is he? And the, the rest. The ref pointed him out to me, so that was my first, uh, my first instinct was to find my dad. Yeah, so I, 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 I've been watching the uh, the wrestling figure podcast, and I've seen like in your office you have like some of the title belts hanging around. Do you still have that U.S. title? Oh, the exact one? No, no. Everything, you know. I wish I, I wish I would have swiped the real deal, but no, you don't get to keep the real title. I wish it's all either like replicas or uh, you know I had them like remade specifically for me, but yeah, nothing's the original. That that would be kind of cool to have that. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So I actually do want to talk about the the wrestling figure podcast because it 
it's one of those like like every like everybody's got a podcast now. But like, is there a market for podcasts about collectibles? Yeah. So, like you said, there's so many podcasts. There's so many wrestling podcasts. Um, and I knew I wanted to do one, but I needed to find that 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 topic right. And wrestling figures is my passion. Brian Myers, uh, my former tag team partner, it's his passion as well. We we talk about it every day. Um, so like, why don't we just talk about wrestling figures? And the thing is, is the the audience the biggest audience out there? No, it's like they're the diehards. You know what I'm saying? Because if you like wrestling enough to listen to a wrestling podcast about wrestling figures, like you're in. You know what I'm saying? You're not like a casual fan, so you have to like really go out of your way. Um, but those diehard fans have made the podcast so so successful, more successful than I ever thought it would be. Uh, you know, we have our own podcast network now with additional shows. We have, we do live shows. We made our own action figures. Uh, now we're doing live wrestling shows. So it has, it has spawned into this, this, uh, this brand and it's, it's so incredible. And again, it's because of the fans, because without the fans, it would just be, uh, you know, Brian and I talk to each other about wrestling figures. So like with that, like what kind of fan engagement have you gotten like over over the time that you've been running this show? Oh, the fan engagement is, is the best part because, you know, you have to, it's 2021 right now. So social media, it's so accessible to, to get uh, a genuine response from your fans and good and bad. You know, sometimes it's not going to be what you want to hear. Sometimes it's not good news. Like sometimes it's a troll with, who's just saying something negative to say something negative. But a lot of times you get that, that instant feedback uh, and you can, you know, you can play with that and see what works, see if it doesn't. And just let the fans in, you know, they want to be a part of the, the ride. And, and with the major wrestling figure podcast, uh, you know, we have this community of fans, you know, we, uh, we have a, a Facebook group. There's a private group and, you know, we're in there. We're talking about figures we're buying and selling with our fans and they're buying stuff from us. And it's just a, a, a safe spot for collectors. Uh, and it's just a really cool experience. And, you know, listen, I get it. I get from an outsider looking in, like, why are these, grown men talking about toys like i get it but like if you're in and you and you get it from the opposite side like oh it's so much fun do, do you have a favorite in your collection like, like everybody's got a favorite of whatever they whatever they collect they got a, like their favorite something what's yours um I, w- I would have to say uh my zach Ryder like collection like i can't pinpoint an exact one but like the fact that like i was such a diehard fan and I collected the figures and I played the figures then to you know make it in wrestling and then to have your own action figure it's the coolest feeling in the world and it doesn't get old you know I've had I've been fortunate enough to have a a few uh action figures in my career uh and and it doesn't get old in fact you know um the major wrestler podcast like I said like we're making our own action figures and like the, the prototype is like in the mail right now uh, and I was supposed to get it yesterday and it got delayed. So I'm like, Oh, I, I just want to get it. So I want to open it, you know, and like, it, it just doesn't get old. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited to see that one. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that one comes out. Is, is, do you have, do you have a white whale? Like the one that you can't, that you've been looking for forever and you can't find it. And you're, you're on like that no holds barred trip to find it. Yeah. So, so, um, you know, there's a lot of prototypes and, and pre-production stuff. And that's just like really fascinating to me. Is that, you know, for, for instance, this, this company Hasbro, right now they're, they're huge. They make, they make Star Wars. It's, it's a big brand. But, but, you know, in the early nineties to mid nineties, they made, uh, the wrestling figures. Um, and it's now like 
people, you know, who worked for the company, whether they're cleaning out their basements or their garage, they're finding these these things, these like prototypes. Sometimes the guys who never came out, you know, so it's like, oh my god, like to to own a figure that was supposed to come out and never did. It's so cool. Uh, and there's this uh, this diesel figure that never came out, and I from from different sources, I was able to find the, the artwork sketch for it and the head. So I'm just wondering, like, is there a diesel like hand painted prototype figure in in some guy's like garage somewhere? You know, like, like I just I just want to know. Yeah, we're talking with Matt Cardona. Uh, you know, this year we've seen you know a lot. All the shows have had no fans or the virtual fans, and you know where what what are the main differences you see when you're working in an arena full of people and when you're working in front of a virtual crowd. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that wrestling in front of a real audience is better. You know, like, of course not. Uh, of course, like, of course, it's not going to be the same uh, wrestling in front of nobody. You know, you want that people because this is an art form, right? And the true art form of professional wrestling is is playing with that audience. You know, and if you can't gauge their response because they're not there, it's kind of tricky. You know what I'm saying? You have to assume what they might want or feel. Um, and, and the show must go on, right? So we weren't just going to stop wrestling. We had to continue. And, you know, we're going to, we, we made the most of it. And we, we, there's been a lot of great moments and matches. Um, you know, like once I'm in there bell to bell, I'm still giving it my all, whether there's a hundred thousand people or zero people, right? But when the people are there, when you could feel the people, it just, oh man, it just, it's, it just makes everything. So hopefully very, very soon we'll, we'll get back to that. Um, because that the fans, they're just they they make it all, you know. Yeah, and uh, like, like every wrestler talks about having their quote unquote WrestleMania moment, and like you had you had yours standing on top of the ladder with the Intercontinental Title. How much different do you think that would have been if there was nobody there? Oh my God, it would have been so different because a, if nobody was there, my dad wouldn't have been in the crowd, and then my dad wouldn't have been able to hop the barricade and slide to the ring, you know. So it would have changed the whole moment. Um, you know, and like, I remember that match so vividly. I was so excited. Obviously, it's WrestleMania. I'm involved in this big match. Uh, family's there. You know, everyone's watching at home. But, uh, I was to actually win. It was like the, the cherry on top. I felt like I, w- I won just being in the match, you know, just walking down the, that aisle and hearing my music play WrestleMania. Like, that was the win, right? For sure. Uh, to actually get the title. Okay, awesome. I'll take it, of course. Uh, but then my dad, like, hopping the barricade and sliding in, like, that that wasn't part of the show. That wasn't written by some writer. That was my dad just legitimately hopping the guardrail. So if there were no fans there, he wouldn't have been there, so that moment wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've, you've worked all over the world with many different companies, WWE, AEW, currently with Impact. When Do you see, like, any differences between the promotion, like, in terms of the style of what they promote? No, I think everything, it's like uh, there's so many different flavors of ice cream, right? There's no right way or wrong way to do it. Uh, you know, as we speak right now, you know, I, I ordered the AEW pay-per-view. I want, I want to watch it. I, I'm a fan of wrestling, you know, so I watch uh, Raw, of course. You know, I watch Impact, uh, whether I'm on it or not, you know. I watch AEW. I follow stuff online, and it's great now with, you know, streaming and the internet that you can you could pick up uh you know and, and follow your favorite wrestlers 
no matter where they are. You know, back in the day, you had to uh, trade videotapes or read magazines. Now you can find it on the internet. You know, it, it's it's just a great time to be a fan right now. There's so much uh, product to consume. Um, and yeah, like I guess is there competition? Sure, but I think the fans are who's they're who's winning, right? Because they get to see all their favorites. Like, I mean, think about it now. You know, like tonight it's it's Sunday. There's wrestling on Monday. There's gonna be wrestling on Tuesday. Wrestling on Wednesday. Wrestling on you know. So maybe Thursday there's not Friday wrestling. Like it, it's almost every day of the week. And then you could definitely find something to watch on those other days. There's just so much content. Like you know, Impact has their own app. WWE has their own network. There's just content everywhere. So this is the best time, I think, ever to be a fan. Absolutely. We're talking with Matt Cardona here. Uh, besides, though, when, when, you, when you're when you here on Long Island, where's your favorite place? When you see it on your schedule. It's like, I'm going to fill in the blank. That's oh, – I yeah. got to get charged up. So, uh, you know, I was just uh, on Long Island for a day um, – a couple weeks ago, I was like, I, I, every time I land, I go to uh, Thomas's, my favorite diner, the, the Ham and Eggery. I go there. Uh, every That's my spot. I love that. I love old school diners. I live in Orlando now. There's no diners in Orlando. If there's like a couple, it's not like a thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, I love going to My Hero and getting like a, you know, a nice chicken club. I, I, I the, the, the food I miss so much. You know, I miss getting a nice uh, chicken parm dinner. There's no good Italian uh, restaurants here in Orlando. So I miss the food for sure. I'll tell you what, I don't miss the cold weather. I don't miss that. <laughs> like right now, uh, I'm in shorts and a tank top. Uh, you know, I was at the beach, uh, yesterday, uh, when I went home a couple of days ago or a couple weeks ago, there was, there was snow on the ground. I don't miss that. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not jealous or anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I remember this, like this was years ago. I, 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 I remember at Patty Power right down the street from where our studio is. I, I actually bumped into you in in there, and it was like I walked in. I think I think you had either just won the title or it was like a like maybe like a few months later, and walk in. It's like it's like oh my god, like that's him. I I just thought like like that was just like mind blowing to me. It's like you're like you're United States champion just walking into the bar. I, yeah, I, I could say I've been to Patty Power uh, quite a few times in my lifetime. <laughs> Oh, I got a couple more minutes with you. I don't want to keep you from AEW. I, I saw that they they did bring they're bringing on somebody pretty big tonight. I'm kind of kind of intrigued on who it's going to be. Uh, are are there any dream matches that you want to have, like with like who and who would be with? Uh yeah, for sure. I would love to wrestle Edge. Um, you know, he was he gave me a big break in wrestling. You know, by by being an Edge head, and I, I learned so much from him and. You know, unfortunately, he retired like about like a decade ago, and I thought that was it. I'd never had my chance to wrestle him, but now, now he's back. Now he's back. So you never know. Edge versus uh, Matt Cardona. I would love that. It's definitely my dream match. I, I I can see that being a lot of fun. You know, you know, there's there's a lot a lot of good storylines you can work with that. With that, uh, that will bring in. Like, are there any like Do you have any favorite angles that you've done in over your career? And you know, you've had you've had a long career, and there's still plenty more to it. But like, are there any storylines or angles that you really love doing? Uh, I think my favorite one was the the Dolph Ziggler stuff uh, for the U.S. title uh, in 2011 because, like, we were starting it on my YouTube show without WWE doing it. You know, we were just doing it on the show. And then we were adding to it on our YouTube show or my YouTube show once WWE started doing it on TV. So it was so much fun because we would do the stuff on, like, Raw and SmackDown 
and then we would continue it on my YouTube show. Uh, you know, he, he would like beat up my friends. Uh, he, he, he stole like my HDMI cable. It was like, it was the most ridiculous stuff, but it was fun. And I just love having a creative outlet. Uh, and that's, that's the main reason why the major recipe podcast and the major pod network has been so much fun because it's such a creative outlet. And, you know, if I have this idea, I can make it happen. And you know what? The idea might not be a good idea. We, it might fail, you know, it might flop, but I, I have no problem failing or flopping. I just want the opportunity to, to do it, you know? For sure. And I've got one last one just before I, I let you go so you can watch the rest of AEW. Hugh Jackman, cool guy? Oh, awesome dude. Super cool dude. Um, again, that was during that, that 2011 era. Uh, with Ziggler, I had a match. Uh, and Hugh Jackman helped me win. He was super cool about it. And I remember, like, beforehand, uh, we were just casually talking. I told him about this YouTube show that I have. He said, oh, I want to be on. And you know, he just filmed the, the open for me. It was so cool. He, like, wore my headband out there. He was just a super cool dude. Uh, I remember he said his beer, like, the next week. It was it was great. Uh, super cool. I have nothing uh, nothing but nice things to say about the guy. And he's all jacked up, too, when, he, when he's training for those X-Men movies. I would love to, to work out with him one day. I, I'm, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you can hang with him. Absolutely. <laughs> I hope so. Well, Matt, thank you for taking the time. and Enjoy the rest of the AEW show, and I, I will send you the link to this in a couple of days. Awesome. Thanks again. I appreciate it. You got it. That was Matt Cardona. Right, have a good one. You too. That was Matt Cardona, Long Island native, pro wrestler. Like I said at the beginning, you can see him on Impact Wrestling. You can hear him on the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. As it, as it turns out, as he said, there is a market for podcasts about collectibles because you have those true fans who will, will engage on that. And I never thought about it. Like I, I'm a collector of, of things myself, but I never would have thought, like, okay, I can go and, and talk about those things. Like, I figured that was just something that I did for fun. And it's like, okay, I have I have all this cool stuff. But, you know, no, nobody else cares. Apparently, you find, you can find that, find that group of people who do. So, before we go to break, got a few minutes before that. Today is a fun day. I, I, I always like this day because today is Hockey Day in America. And anybody who's listened to the show knows I love hockey. And it's something that I've been watching for a long time. I still remember the first hockey game I ever went to. And if my my mom's listening right now, she's going to be like, of course he's going to know the exact date. October 25th, 1996, the Nassau Coliseum, New York Islanders for San Jose Sharks. The Islanders were still wearing those hideous fisherman jerseys. I don't care what anybody says. They like them now. No, they're still ugly, and they need to be stuffed in a closet forever. Hockey, everybody. When everybody thinks of hockey, you think of you think of Canada. You think of all the all those great Canadian teams that won all those championships. All the great Canadian players: Wayne Gretzky, Bobby Orr, Gordie Howe, Mark Messier. So it's it, it's cool when you know the U.S. has their Hockey Day in America. And NBC plays all, plays four games in the night and every game they focus on the American born players on the teams. So, like, hockey is not, is not, hockey is not on the level of basketball or football here in the States and that's unfortunate. Cause hockey is a great sport. It's poetry in motion and everything they do, they, you know, everything that you gotta think of, you know, where I gotta get the puck to, 
shoot it, pass it, find my spot, and I got to do that all on skates. I I can't skate, so I I'm I'm jealous of, of these guys because they can they can make it look so effortless. I was I was, watch, I was watching the Ranger game yesterday, and Adam Fox scores a breakaway goal, and they said he got up to 22 miles an hour. And I just think I'm thinking to myself, you got to 22 miles an hour on skates. I couldn't even get to 22 miles an hour running, and you're doing that on skates, on skates that are really, really thin. That and that's just impressive. I and I, I, I give hockey players a ton of credit because most people couldn't do that if they tried, or even with some training, you might be able to skate and not fall over, but you're not going that fast and doing that. So I, I will always tell people when when they say they don't watch hockey, I, I always tell them that you should. Because it, it's, a, it's a great game. Something's always happening. And you get to watch, an, you can watch an occasional, occasional huge hit every now and then. And that, that's always something that sits in the back of your mind that is not just, oh, not always going to be the shooting and the scoring. There's going to be some hidden too. And currently, I believe the Rangers are playing right now. I'll give you a quick score update before we go to break. As last I saw, they were down, they're down 3-1 at the end of the second. So hopefully the Rangers can get it together in the third period and take down the Penguins in Pittsburgh. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Jose Youngs will be joining me to talk UFC 259. You stay right there. We'll be right back. to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Country Foot Care, official podiatrists of the New York Lizards, have been delivering state-of-the-art foot care with good old-fashioned caring to Long Island residents for over 30 years. Specialists in sports medicine and foot injuries, Country Foot Care can be reached at 516-741-FEET or online at countryfootcare.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. Unflippable, unflappable, unleakable. The Gustbuster is the only umbrella that won't flip inside out, rip, tear, or leak. Capable of withstanding winds over 55 miles per hour. All of our umbrellas are constructed of the finest quality materials and backed by a limited lifetime guarantee. What are you waiting for? Visit Gustbuster.com and get your Gustbuster today. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. And we're back for the second half hour, too, of WGBB Sports Talk New York. I'm Andy Sukov. And before we get into the second segment, i got to give a shout-out to my man, Brian Graves, 
behind the glass making everything happen. Got the thumbs up from him. So we're all set to go. And as we're... Yeah, so we're... So last night was UFC 259 out in Vegas. And there were three title fights. And one of them ended with a little bit of controversy. And with me to talk about that, good friend of mine, been on the show before, Jose Youngs from MMAfighting.com. Jose, thanks for taking the time tonight, bud. You got it, boss. Anytime you want to chat MMA, I'm always down. All right. Well, we're going to jump right into it. And we're going to start with the the one that ended with some controversy out Long Island on its own, Aljamain Sterling against Peter Yan. And we, that fight ended with an illegal knee to the head. And as I was watching it, like, like my head hurt looking at that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, it's unfortunate, especially given the fact that both individuals are like they like. It's it's rare in today's day and age, especially in mixed martial arts, especially in boxing, you get a fight, a title fight between two individuals that it's it's kind of universally accepted they're the two best fighters at their weight class and they're the physical prime of their careers. Uh, we got that when Israel Adesanya fought Robert Whitaker. Uh, but really, other than that, you don't get that often. It's either super fights or someone gets hurt and fills in or uh, someone kind of falters along the way. Or it's Rarely do you get these fights where it's it's just like the pinnacle of the of this weight class. And Peter Yan and Aljamain Sterling, they talked a lot of heat. They were both on a on fantastic win streaks. Uh, even before Peter Yan fought Jose Aldo for the title, he he said in his media day, like, if I win, I'm probably fighting Alzheimer's Sterling. That's because of his win streak. So it's just unfortunate. A lot of people thought that fight was going to be the best fight of the night. It was shaping up to be the fight of the night before the illegal blow. And literally, it's it's, it's the worst-case scenario for that fight. Yeah, like I, the judges at, the, at that point had two had it for Jan, one had it for Sterling. How did you have it at that point before the knee hit? I had it for Jan. It was close. Uh, I just think, yeah, Peter Jan, I think, was putting was, – was, he was putting his foot on the gas when the legal knee blew, blew when he when he landed the illegal knee. Uh, Alzheimer, I think I think he pretty comfortably won the first round, maybe the second, maybe the second round. And then at that point, John kind of figured him out. Like you kept seeing Alzheimer kind of flop around and uh, try to throw these spinning back elbows or y'all get those uh, leg sweeps on him. So I th- I just think he got his timing down and he was a lot stronger than I thought thought people expected. Alzheimer really struggled to get him down to the canvas, so. I had John winning, but it wasn't. He wasn't blowing him out, but he was. He was. He was comfortably cruising before that illegal move landed. I think he was on his way to a, a decision win. Yeah, and we, and we we spoke about this yesterday, but given how that fight ended, I would assume that once Aljamain is cleared to fight again, that we will have a rematch between the two of them rather quickly. Yeah, one hundred percent. Aljamain Sterling wants to fight. Pierre Young wants to fight. Josie wants to fight. That's the fight that's going to happen, unfortunately, for Corey Sanhagen. Yeah, we're talking with Jose Youngs from MMAfighting.com. So I, I, I saw this on Twitter today from Errol Hawani that this is the first time in a title fight that there was a disqualification. So since it doesn't happen all that often, I do you think the rules should be changed where title where title doesn't change hands because of disqualification, or do you think it, it's okay for it to do that? No, I think they should. If it's a disqualification, they should. They should change titles and it maybe well because at the end it's up to the right re- it's also up to the referee like like it, it was an illegal blow but then the referee has, has to decide 
if it was an accident or if it was or if it was deliberate. If it was a deliberate knee, it's a disqualification. If it's an accident like an inadvertent low blow or an accidental eye poke or uh, like a, a, an unfortunately timed knee, like he, it, it, it wasn't on purpose, then it would be a no contest, and then Piotr Jan would get to keep his belt. But it was legal, it was an illegal knee. He clearly threw it with bad intentions while Jermaine's knee was on the canvas. So that's why it was disqualification. That's the rules. It's not that Piotr Jan was was disqualified because he cheated or anything. He just landed a very blatant illegal illegal knee. If it was a accidental low blow, it would probably be a no contest. But it is what it is. It's a loss on his record. Like if you look at his record now, it is an L. His win streak is snapped. Uh, so yes, I don't think the rules should change. It's just unfortunate. Yeah, and again, because it doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, you know, I I can understand that one. To move on to the second title fight of the night, the one that I think we all knew what was going to happen bef- before they even scheduled the fight. Amanda Nunes, Megan Anderson, Nunes dominated again. What's left for her at this point? Um, there's a. I wish Chris Cyborg was still in the UFC. Because obviously that rematch needs to happen at some point, but it'll probably never happen. I guess Juliana Pena at bantamweight would be the next logical contender, especially since Holly Holm got hurt. Juliana Pena is talking a lot of greasiness at Amanda Nunes. They've never fought. Amanda Nunes is, is obviously the best, greatest female fighter of all time. And Juliana, I think, is the only one she hasn't fought. G- Jermaine Durandamy is already 0-2 against uh, Amanda Nunes. Holly Holm's 0-1. Like Amanda's beating every single former UFC champion they put in front of her, unless they want to. The third fight was Valentina just because a lot of people, including myself, thought Valentina won the second fight, and she was on her way to win the first fight if it was a five-round fight. So I think Juliana or Valentina, but definitely not going to be Valentina. She had this fight against Jessica Andrade coming up, and I think the UFC is much more uh, wants to do the fight between Valentina and Zhang Weili before they do a third uh, Amanda fight. But who knows? Money talks. I just There's not much left out there. Yeah, I mean, like she, like she cleared out the featherweight division with, like without even breaking a sweat. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like the fight against uh, the the last fight she had, where she actually went to distance, and it, it looked like she was just, she was just, like toying with her opponent at the at the end. Yeah, man. No, there's not many fighters in one thirty five or one, especially at one forty five. Like, I don't know if there's any like the the conversation with this is if Amanda beats Megan Anderson, would they close the featherweight division just because there's no one else out there? Bellator has a very good featherweight division. The UFC has maybe four total. And a man has beaten pretty much all of them outside of Danielle Wolf, who has the fight against Felicia Spencer. But I don't think if she wins, maybe. I just think Juliana Payne is the only one left that's a high-caliber fighter that she hasn't fought yet, and there's some sort of beef there. So maybe that, maybe a second Holly Holm fight, but I don't know. There's, she's the greatest. She, I don't know. She's at that point of like the Anderson-George St. Pierre where she's going to have to either start taking rematches or – I just start taking third fights against people because she's not, there's no no one real out there for her to fight. Yeah, and I I know that this one is a lot of conjecture, and she already faced her, and what clearly Ronda what didn't have her head on straight. If if she was to face a pre-home Ronda Rousey, what well, what do you think the result of that one would have been? It would be if they like so if they had fought in like 2014. Yeah, like 14, 15, like before before Holly Holm like kicked her in the head, and that was the end of that. I think Amanda still probably would have done very well, because uh, especially because you saw the next fight that Holly Holm had was against Misha Tate, and Misha Tate choked her out. Uh, or you saw her fight against Raquel Pennington and Marion Renault. Like, those weren't, 
like epic knockouts or epic finishes. Like I think her fight against Raquel was maybe a split, and that was her debut. And then the Mariano fight in San Diego was like she won, but it wasn't like she blew her out of the water. And Amanda was still tearing through people right now. Like she was obviously really powerful and had phenomenal grappling. And Holly hadn't really had that big knockout yet. So I would still favor Amanda just because she has she has more paths to victory. She can submit you. She can knock you out. She can out-wrestle you. And she's always kind of had that in her back pocket. Yes, she lost to Kazangano, but that was very early on in her career when Kazangano was just tearing through people too. But I'd still favor Amanda. I think Chris Cyborg is honestly the only fighter that could give her any sort of competition right now. She's just unfortunately in a different promotion. We're talking with Jose Young from MMAfighting.com. And as we move on to the main event last night, which was actually was a very fun fight between Israel Adesanya, the middleweight champion, and Jan Blahovich, the light heavyweight champion. Blahovich retains, and I, I think it was a one judge or two that had forty nine forty five that gave Blahovich a ten eight. Was it two or? Yeah, one? that was a little weird. I don't think there were any ten eights in there. I had, I did have Jan winning, uh, pro- probably three to two. I think Jan. It was two two going to the final round. Uh, before Jan won that last one, but yeah, ten eight's a little ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's what that's what I had it at also, and the you know it was it was very it was a very difficult fight to for me to to grade because like they both had their moments where they were taking control, and especially at the end, Jan looked gassed. Yeah, it's just, he's just he was he was just a bigger individual, and he's just a better grappler. So uh, it was a fun fight. Izzy just lost fair and square. I think he, even Izzy agreed and. It is what it is. Izzy will go back to middleweight and recover and eventually come back up to light heavyweight. Just, Jan's, he, Jan's the bigger man. Like, he cuts down from like 220, 225 to 205. And Izzy just weighed in without cutting weight. He weighed in at like 203. So by the time they entered the octagon, I bet Jan had at least 20 pounds on him. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Like, what should Adesanya do next? Go stay at 205 for a little while or go back to 185? He's going to go back to 185, and uh, he'll probably, if Darren Till beats Marvin Vittori, he'll probably fight Darren Till. Uh, if Rob, but, again, if, if Robert Whitaker just smokes Paulo Costa, that'll be three wins in a row since he got knocked out by Israel Adesanya. That would be a, a super impressive win over Darren Till. That'll be a super impressive win over Jared Cannonier and another win over Paulo Costa. I think it's, if you're talking deserving, Robert Whitaker would deserve the, th- the rematch. But Israel Adesanya wants to fight Darren Till. Uh, so if Darren Till wins, it'll probably, over Marvin Tori, uh, it'll probably, especially because, like, if you look at the two big middleweight fights coming up, I guess, uh, th- there's three. There's Holland and Brunson, there's Vito- uh, Costa, Whitaker, and then there's Vittori and Till. Israel Adesanya's already knocked out, uh, Derek Brunson, Robert Whitaker, uh, and Paolo Costa, and his, and it, it just ran through Marvin Vittori, so, Kevin Holland's not quite there yet, even though he's won five in a row. They're pretty much all against all unranked fighters. And then, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, he hasn't fought Darren Till yet, so, uh, it'd probably be Darren Till if ever, if, if Whitaker wins, which I expect him to. So that'll be a fun fight, just all those fights have to play out first. Alright, for sure. What, one of the fighters that I, I, that really caught my eye last night was Islam Makachev in his fight against Drew Dober. I mean, he just, he was, he dominated him from minute one. And somebody I was watching it with said it, he's like a Khabib clone. And then, as it turns out, Khabib is in his corner. Yeah, Khabib is always going to be in Islam's corner. They call each other brothers. They're obviously not related, but that relationship is about as close to 
uh, of, of brotherhood as you can get to people that aren't blood related. They've like when like to put it to, to, to break it down. Like when Habib's father died, Abdul Abdul it affected Islam just as much as it affected Habib. Like all of uh, he like pulled out of his fights, pulled out of his training camp. So no matter where Islam fights, Habib is going to be right there in his corner because Habib said that he is the heir apparent to him and he expects him to be the champion. It's one of the reasons Habib's retired. Because he doesn't want to get in Islam's way to the UFC title, so yeah, uh, Islam is a bad, bad dude, and I expect him to fight for UFC championship sometime down the line. Yeah, that was going to be my next question: Can he go on a run like Khabib did? hundred percent. He might like once he gets into the top five, it'll obviously be tough because he's not ever fought someone in the top ten. Uh, Drew Dober's the highest ranked opponent that he's fought. That was also more than a like it was like a year and a half layoff between fights and. He fought like it, like maybe the first few rounds he was trying to get his bearings, and then he dominated after that. So he called out Tony Ferguson. Don't hate it. It would be a big step up in competition. Rafael Dos Anjos, they've been booked against each other twice. The fight's fallen out twice. So I don't know. Uh, I'm fine with the Tony or RDA fight. Uh, but once he gets in the top five, it'll be really telling, especially because those guys, uh, all of them outside of Connor, have very, very, very high-level grappling and wrestling. Uh, the Chandlers, the Fergusons, uh, the Poiriers, the Charles, especially Charles Oliveira, uh, it'll be telling. But yeah, Islam will get there. It's just, it's just going to be a slow burn. Yeah, the, the, the lightweight division right now is, in, in my opinion, one of the most exciting ones out there. There's so, uh, there's so many between, top- light, between lightweight and bantamweight. And I'd even, welterweight's close, but, uh, the top five of lightweight and the top five of bantamweight, anyone can be the champion. Yeah, speak, speaking of the bantamweight division, we saw, Dominic Cruz in action last night against Casey Kenny, and it, it, it feels like Dominic Cruz has been around forever. But because he had so many injuries, like he missed out on like six years of his prime. Yeah, he's I think thirty five, but he's a young thirty five because he hasn't been fighting because of all these injuries. This was his first win since twenty sixteen, so uh, that was UFC one ninety nine. Like the last time he won a fight, Luke Rockhold was still the champion. Uh, that was the night Michael Bisping knocked out uh, Rockhold in the, the main event. Dominic Cruz fought in the co-main event against Uriah Favor. And then after that, he's only lost to Cody Garbrandt and Henry Cejudo, two of the greatest fighters at, at below 155 and two of the most talented fighters uh, at, in Bantamweight history. So not losing to bums, uh, just having long layoffs. And I hope this victory means he's going to be back uh, back to competing on a more regular basis. Do you think he can make, an- make another run at the Bantamweight title? <sighs> tough it's real tough just because i think the top five at bantamweight is so so talented any one of those fighters if you look at i'm talking jan sterling Corey sanhagen uh tj dillashaw obviously cody garbrandt i'll even throw jose aldo in there frankie edgar like i'll watch Dominic cruz versus any of those guys but any of those individuals can be the champion and i think it's just going to be like hot potato between all those guys Corey sanhagen so is outside of Jan Sterling being the big losers of Saturday, Corey Sanhagen is the next biggest loser because he's he was supposed to fight the winner probably. Now he has to wait even longer. Now he's probably gonna have to fight T.J. Dillashaw in a number one contenders fight. So I wouldn't hate Do- Dominic Cruz versus Jimmy Rivera or not Jimmy Rivera, uh, Pedro Munoz and Frankie Edgar, and I think Jose Aldo is gonna fight Cody Garbrandt, which is a fun fight too. What lot going on in that division? That's for that's for yeah, sure. it's on it's the best. It's in 2020, the UFC Bantam, the Bantamweight division as a whole, not just in the UFC. I'm talking Ryzen, Bellator, Cage Warriors, all over the world. 135 pounds was the most competitive division. 
We're talking with Jose Youngs from MMAfighting.com. One of the one of the big stories I saw this week was now now that the state of Texas has lifted all of their COVID nineteen restrictions, Dana White came out and said he wanted to have an event in Texas with full capacity. Would that become the new base for events until other states open up on a more consistent basis? It would be. I think they'd have to hold the events first because the governor opened it up, but then a lot of the mayors don't want it. Like Dallas apparently said no. They didn't. They didn't want to have an event there yet. Houston wanted to, but then again, there's been some pushback. So Dana White said he'll move, he'll hold an event there next week if he could. Uh, there's still just some yellow tape and red tape to get through first, but. I feel that first fight there, I don't think it'll be the main base, but I think it will become the next big spot in the United States. Because for now, they're comfortable in the apex. I think for big pay-per-views, probably Texas, if it opens up, uh, they'll go back and forth between Texas and Las Vegas, and then obviously they still need Abu Dhabi and Singapore uh, for their international fighters that can't fly into the United States. So like, should Texas agree, like, and any one of these cities agree to take on one of these events, would the UFC put the negative test or the vaccine requirement into purchasing tickets, or would that be the the venue that would be doing that? It's an interesting question. They'd probably have to do a bubble again. Some They'd probably have to do a bubble or some sort of testing or something, because when they did the last Fight Island event in Abu Dhabi that I was at, Abu Dhabi was open. Like, they had fans in there, but they only had 2,000. They could have had more if they wanted to. It's, it was just the UFC's call, and, like, also the stadium wasn't done being built yet. Um but we had to do a bubble because they didn't want, like, media or UFC staff or fighters or coaches or anyone being mingling with the public and then someone in the public having the coronavirus. So they're going to have to take some serious precautions. I assume the fighters are still going to be relegated to just a hotel. They're not going to be able to leave. I assume same for UFC staff, same for the media on, on hand and the judges and the referees and everything. I'm assuming, but, again, Dana White, really wants to be first. He wants to be the first uh, He wants to be the first sport and first league slash promotion to have like a full house. And I believe him. I believe it will happen. It's a matter of when. And like, while you were in Abu Dhabi and you, and you heard the fans in the stands, like you've been, you've been at fights with no fans now for almost a year, how much, how much different was it? Or was it even somewhat relieving to hear people – cheering on the fighters again it was it definitely it was definitely weird it was definitely weird especially when uh like when there was like grappling on the on the canvas there was like the booze like stand them up ref stand them up and i was like oh i remember this like i don't i did not miss this at all but uh the engines were great like the fans had like like waving to the fighters and clapping for big knockouts and clapping for high high level fights and like especially when they were like these massive players against the fence everyone kind of stood up and applauded so it definitely felt as close to normal as you can get in a pandemic, but there still wasn't the big, like, there was only 2,000, 3,000 people. Like, they were still, like, six feet between, like, the groups of, of fans. So still, and there was a big plexiglass between us and the fans and some of the VIP had plexiglass up between them so they don't mingle. It, was still, it definitely felt weird, but I could definitely feel a difference. And, you know, we're... Like we we just spoke about how like you're very excited for the bantamweight division fights coming up. Are there any other fights you're looking forward to that are coming in the next weeks, months? Well, I would say that I was really looking forward to Leon Edwards and Hamza Shemaev welterweight next week. 
but obviously uh, Hamzat is seriously has serious complications with, with COVID. Like he's already pulled out of, of this fight like two three times. Uh, he's coughing up blood. He debated retiring. He's out. So Leon Edwards hasn't fought in like more than two almost two years. He's on a super long win streak. The last person he lost to was Kamar Usman, the champion. And since then, he's just he's only won. He's just won, win, 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 win. So if he beats Bilal Muhammad, which is Bilal Muhammad's taking this fight on super short notice, I would like to see him fight for a title, uh, especially because he's an he's the rest of the welterweights aren't really active right now in terms of like Masvidal, Colby Covington. Uh, Steven Thompson, I think, just got hurt, so he he's he really wants to he wants to spend Colby Covington or Kamara, so maybe that. Uh, and then obviously the title fights between uh, Stipe Miocic and Francis. The winner will probably fight John Jones uh, for the heavyweight title, or they'll defend it in John Jones' first heavyweight fight. And uh, obviously Volkanovski Ortega, the big featherweight title fight in the co-main event. Jay Wiley, Rose Namajunas, Valentina, Jessica Andrade, the other two women's titles. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a lot, uh, but those are the, the Leon Edwards one I am very much looking forward to and of course the Paulo Costa versus Robert Whitaker just because those guys like there's going to be no bad blood between them they are just super high level fighters that I'm very much looking forward to and a very important fight at 185 pounds so any of those literally all the main events from here to, through April are awesome so just throw a dart and whatever it hits is, and if you, you want to watch one fight throw a dart you can't go wrong with whatever it lands on that's that's definitely good for marketing coming up where you're going to sure. really have that many good good fights to work with. And 100%. It's going to be fun. And like for, over the last year, you've basically been in either Florida, the Apex in Vegas, or Fight Island. Are, as things start to open up and hopefully we get closer to normal, which arenas are you looking forward to getting back to when 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 it's not just one of those three places? It's an interesting question. I hadn't even thought about it. Um... I think the Madison Square Garden and the Barclays for sure, just because we were out, we were supposed to go to Barclays last April, and I was really looking forward to that. Um, I think the T-Mobile obviously in Las Vegas, just because it kind of has a big fight feel. Uh, Staples, I'm sure they'll go back to. The Toyota Center in Houston is always a fun one, but those are probably the big ones. Like I don't mind the Apex. I like selfishly, obviously, I want them. To, I want them to go to the TD Garden because it's close to home, and I love covering fights in Boston. But yeah, I don't know. It's uh, I don't know. There's, there's. I just want the world to get fixed. But those, those would be the top ones. Anywhere in New York, anywhere of the big arenas in Las Vegas, and then probably the Toyota Center, just because those are some of my favorite arenas. Uh, I'm certainly with you on wanting the world to get back to normal because yeah, it's it, it's been a year. It, I, I think we're we're all ready for that. Sure, a hundred percent. I just got I just got one last one for you before I let you go. How are the Red Sox going to do this year? Awful. They're going to compete for last place. I, I, I saw I, this stat that like like fifty six like there's a fifty six percent chance to make the playoffs, which is not true. I, you just have to be realistic. The Rays only got better, and they went to the World Series last year. And half their farm system isn't even in the majors yet. They still got Wagner Franco sitting there in the minors. He's the number one prospect in baseball. The Yankees were hurt all last year, and they still won ninety games. The Blue Jays only got healthy. Vlad Jr. Uh, and uh, Bo Bichette and uh, Craig Biggio's sons are just going to be unbelievable. And then they add George Springer. Like we're we're competing for fourth. And at least the Baltimore Orioles have a good have Adley Rushman in the uh, in their farm system. Yeah, we got Jeter Downs. 
whoop de doo Like, we're competing for fourth place right now. I just want, like, we gave away everyone that was supposed to be our future. This is the next few seasons are good, are just a wash, honestly. And, and I don't, don't think I meant that to be like, ha, ah, the Yankees are better. I, I actually do want to know what you think about about the Red Sox. And I, for, for yeah. you, for you and Red Sox fans, I hope you are better than fourth place because that would, that would just really suck. It is what it is. Like, as soon as we gave up Mookie, I don't, like, last year, we won the first game of the season. Like, we dominated the first game. And I was like, this might not be so bad. And then you saw what happened. We were the worst team in baseball. It was the worst Red Sox team in my lifetime. And I, I don't think we got better. I definitely don't think we got better. Like, yeah, we're young, but everyone I just said, they're, they're, they have their prospects and they're in the majors. Like, the Blue Jays scare me. The Yankees scare me. The, the Rays are gonna be, they're, they're built to last. So, and they, like, they gave up Blake Snell and got some good farms, good prospects too. You know, like, we're not, and then, I don't know, we're not competing, we're not gonna be competing for a playoff spot for at least two years. Yeah, the, 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 the AL East is gonna be a, gonna be a real problem for pretty much everybody for the foreseeable yeah. future. It's, it's the AL East and, Probably the NL West, if I'm going to be honest. Like those two, like the top of that, like the Padres and the Dodgers are obviously scary. The Cardinals are going to run away with the Central. The Mets are the Mets. I guess they got Lindor and a couple other guys. And Degrom is awesome, but yeah, the Braves are still good. Like it is what it is. It is like I'm baseball's like I'm like I'm looking forward to the baseball coming back. I just know we're not going to make the playoffs, so I'm not going. To, I'm trying to be realistic. All right, well, Jose, thank you for taking the time tonight. I, I really do appreciate it. You got it, boss. Anytime. All right, later, brother. That was Jose Youngs from MMAFighting.com, and you can hit him up on Twitter, at Jose Youngs. You know, he, one, of, one of the best writers out there, and I'm, and I'm not just saying that because he's, he's one of my friends. I really do believe that. We got, we got a couple minutes here, and as I was talking to him to, on his last question, baseball season's right around the corner, and that that's just very exciting for me, especially as a Yankees fan. Team, so far, I'm gonna. If you haven't heard it, I'm knocking on every piece of wood in this studio right now. That they stay healthy and actually compete for a division title this year and make the, make the run for the World Series. Yankee fans have been saying it for five seasons now that this is the window with this baby bomber team with Judge and Torres and that group of people. That now's the time. They've, they've had their chances. 2017, they lose in the ALCS. 2018, they run into the Red Sox in the ALDS and get smacked around. 2019, they go to the ALCS again and lose to the Astros again. When's that time? When's the Yankees time to get over that hump? And you, you wonder, is this team capable of doing it? And it was a matter of they couldn't hit in the playoffs. Like they they were getting the pitching, they couldn't hit, and now we'll see if this team can actually put those clutch hits together, and keep sustained rallies going. Because in, in today in today's baseball world of home run, walk, and strikeout, the team that can string together three or four runs in an inning without relying on the home run, those are the teams that are going to win. That's why the Rays made it to the World Series last year. They hit a ton of home runs, but they were also able to scratch out two three hits in a row. And driving a run that way. And that and Randy Rosarena hitting like 900 home runs a week. That will just about do it for me here. I want to thank Matt Cardona. Thank Jose Young for joining me tonight. 
of course, got to thank Brian behind the glass, because without him, I'm just talking into a dead microphone. And, of course, I want to thank all of you guys for listening, because without you, I'm, I'm just talking to myself. So thank you for listening. I'll be back here next week, so you don't want to miss it. Next week, March 14th, 9 p.m., tune in here. I'll be here. I'm Andy Sukoff. Have a good night. Views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.